Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes brought to you by Harold's. This is your host, Jack Harold III. Our Turf Dudes are reaching out to industry leaders and game changers to discuss what they're seeing out there. Topics focus on turf health, nutrition, control solutions, and the latest in academic research. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. Send us your questions to at TurfDudes on Twitter or by email to TurfDudes at Heralds.com. TurfDudes is spelled T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S. In today's episode, Dr. Raymond Snyder catches up with Dr. Marcos Schiavone from University of California, Riverside. They are talking about water quality and its impact on turf. All right, I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to this episode of Harold's Turf Dudes Podcast. This is Raymond Snyder. I'm the Director of Agronomy here at Harold's. And on this episode, we're joined by Dr. Marco Schiavone. He's a turf researcher at the University of California, Riverside. And my understanding is his focus is water conservation, water quality as it relates to turf grass. And, and here on this episode, we want to talk about water quality and, and, and its impacts on turf performance, turf health, soil health, all those subjects related to uh, to turf, to uh, soil, to water salinity and water quality. And, um, you know, uh, Dr. Marco, uh, give us a little, you're, you're from Italy, I, I guess, and give us a little background on how you ventured from Italy to California and studying turf grass and why you're not uh, in Napa studying uh, wine production or something like that? Uh, how did you end up in our world? Well, you know, the, the story is actually even more interesting because uh, I'm uh, from uh, around Venice, Italy, mm. which is uh, probably one of the uh, cities in the world with the highest amount of water, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Still, um, I got interested into turf grass because uh, I guess, uh, like every good Italian, I'm a soccer fan. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what actually got me into turf grass science. And um, I did my bachelor and master's uh, at uh, University of Padua, in Padua, Italy. And uh, when I finished my master, I had the opportunity to join uh, uh, Dr. Berlinauer's lab at uh, New Mexico State University. And uh, um, after my PhD, I moved uh, with Jim Baird uh, at the University of California, Riverside, um, studying uh, water and uh, salinity management uh, for turf grass area, and uh, here I still am, I guess. Okay, great. Well, I got to tell you, I I was in Venice just uh, a couple summers ago, and I didn't see any turf grass, but I did see a lot of water. So I was trying to make the connection there to turf grass and the sports uh, angle makes sense now. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate that background. And, uh, you know, let's let's set this up here. We're talking about water quality and its effects on plants. And so, you know, give us some of the background on on poor water quality, salinity and and, and how that impacts or negatively impacts, uh, you know, plants and soil, if you will. Sure. Uh, well, at first, uh, I have to say, uh, using uh, uh, water that is not suitable for uh, uh, human consumption, so basically using water that's uh, not potable, it's uh, one of the uh, biggest uh, um, water conservation strategies uh, uh, that there are 
uh, there right now. Uh, especially for turf grasses, uh, because uh, we don't really produce uh, any yield uh, or, or any food, uh, then finding uh, potable water um, reduction irrigation strategies, uh, it's, it's really important. So irrigation with saline water, it's actually uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, strategies we can use uh, to reduce potable water consumption. Uh, still, it needs some management because, uh, of course, uh, salinity not only has negative impact on the plant itself, but can have negative impact on the soil. So definitely some management strategies need to be implemented when you use uh, um, saline water for irrigating turf. Yeah. Um, yes. And I'll say, and, and, and so I see that more and more, greater utilization and more reliance on what I guess we would call um, reclaimed water. Exactly, indeed, indeed. And uh, um, actually a really nice uh, data is that uh, more than uh, two-thirds of uh, underground water in the desert southwest uh, is uh, considered uh, brackish, uh, or at least not potable, not suitable for human consumption. So actually um, a lot of uh, uh, the water availability we have here it's, uh, it's um, saline or, or brackish, uh, and therefore we definitely need to find uh, management strategies to, to, uh, to implement uh, the use of uh, saline water for turf grass irrigation. Um, well, first of all, um, I have to start saying this. Uh, what is uh, salinity water? Well, it's the presence of uh, uh, ions. Um, mineral ions uh, in, in water. Um, all of the water, even the potable water, has uh, ion dissolved in it. Um, the problem is uh, when they reach uh, a certain concentration, then uh, uh, salinity may be an issue. Um, what is uh, salinity? Well, salinity is uh, uh, actually measured uh, um, in terms of electrical conductivity. Uh, electrical conductivity is the measure in decisiemens per meter, and uh, usually when this value exceeds 0 0.25, uh, then uh, uh, the water is uh, already not considered potable, starts being considered uh, saline. Then there is a moder moderate salinity from 0 0.25 to 0 0.75 decisiemens per meter, and then there's high salinity from uh, 0 0.75 to 2 or 3. And then when uh, um, electrical conductivity is higher than 3 decisiemens per meter, at that point we have high salinity. And that water uh, should not be used to irrigate basically anything, uh, or at least should not be used uh, to irrigate any species that's not really tolerant to salinity. So so what, what so as that EC is increasing, what uh, what is it doing yeah. to the plants? What what exactly is the mechanism there by which the plant is compromised? So um, the main plant, the main uh, problem, number one problem is uh, um, the water is picked up uh, by the plants by osmosis, which means uh, uh, water moves through cell membranes, in this case root membranes, from uh, um, really 
low concentration of salt to higher concentration of salt, okay? So potable water has a low concentration of salt, cell, cell itself uh, uh, have uh, more uh, salt dissolved in it, so the plant can uptake water from the soil, so from low concentration to inside the plant higher concentration. But when uh, salinity occurs, then the plant um, needs a higher um, energy to pick up water from the soil because uh, uh, if we have a high soil concentration in the soil or in the water, then at that point uh, uh, osmosis uh, is uh, not flowing as uh, freely as you would be in, uh, in potable water. Uh, that's also why, the reason why, um, the symptoms for uh, salinity are actually uh, really similar to the symptoms of uh, drought because actually water needs to put more energy when a lot of salts are present to pick up roots from uh, to pick up water from the roots so so even though there's plenty of water there the plant water, is unable to pack it up take it up that take up that water Exactly, Interesting. and that is that is the main uh, reason. Okay, so uh, a lot of salts uh, decrease the osmotic potential of the soil solution. Therefore, uh, plant access to soil water is decreased. This is actually what it is. Uh, and then the second problem, which is not really such a big of a problem in turf grass, and I'll explain you why in a second is actually specific ion toxicity for for the plant itself. So for instance, there are some salts uh, such as uh, sodium uh, or uh, chloride uh, or boron that are toxic uh, for the plants. Well, um, most of the time they're considered nutrients because they are nutrients, but if you exceed a certain level of these nutrients, then they may become tax toxic for the plants. In turf grass, this is not such a big issue. It can be if uh, um, the concentration of these ions is really high. But usually it's not that big of an issue because we actually mow. So what happens is uh, we remove the leaves uh, and uh, we remove uh, also these ions from, uh, from the plant itself before it becomes toxic to the plant. So these nutrients are basically harvested and removed and they don't exactly. remain in place and continue to build and create exactly. create problems. Exactly. Um, if, uh, if we do mulching, then uh, there may be some problem for the soil because we are re-giving these ions to the soil. Mm -hmm. But the plant itself, uh, we're removing it by mowing. Gotcha. Okay. And so those are three three to consider there: sodium, boron, and uh, and chloride. Uh, when we're when we're yeah. thinking of those those types of things, uh, on the similar subject, what when we're looking at different values and reports, and we see we'll see um, references to EC or TDS. Are they the same yes. thing? Are they different? How do you relate the two of those? Yes, okay. Um, let me start with uh, saying this. I usually prefer EC. It's uh, more or less the same thing, okay? Uh, TDS uh, stands for uh, Total Dissolved Solids, uh, and it tells you how much ions and cations are present in the water. Um, 
the reason why I prefer she is this, uh, uh, there is not really a direct correlation between uh, EC and TDS. Um, usually, uh, the, the rule is uh, if you take EC and you multiply by 640, then you get uh, TDS, uh, which is expressed uh, in part per million or uh, milligram per liter. Part per million or milligram per liter is exactly the same thing. Uh, this is true, uh, but this is true only for uh, uh, low EC uh, values. When my EC values uh, start increasing a lot, uh, so when I have really saline water, let's say more than five, then we have to correct that conversion factor. Factor. So 640 is not good uh, anymore. Uh, we have to multiply by 800. Okay. Um, that is usually why I prefer talking about EC or uh, EC level when we're talking about salinity. If we're talking about TDS, uh, usually I can say that um, water starts being saline uh, or, or actually dangerous to, to plants when it's higher than 450 ppm or uh, 450 milligram per liter is exactly the same thing. Gotcha. Excellent. Okay. Okay. In terms of some of these different, in terms of turf grass, uh, which species are the most tolerant? Which species are the least tolerant? How do you, how do you rank them in our, in our turf world? Uh, Rick, uh, can I talk about uh, one more thing because we're, we go straight to turf grass because uh, there is uh, another parameter which is uh, actually uh, really, really necessary. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, that's uh, SAR or uh, sodium absorption ratio. Yes. Okay. So uh, usually EC by itself uh, does not tell me how risky that water is, uh, unless uh, EC is higher than uh, three or four, okay? Uh, usually what I need to know about my water, and this is really crucial, is uh, EC in combination with SAR. Um, SAR, as I said before, is a, a sodium absorption ratio, which basically tells me the concentration of uh, sodium over the concentration of uh, calcium and magnesium. Uh, why is this important? Because uh, sodium, uh, overabundance of sodium uh, um, may lead, uh, especially on heavy soil, to soil defloculation uh, and therefore uh, uh, loss of soil structure. Okay? Which means uh, basically that uh, micro, uh, macropores uh, and uh, micropores uh, at that point will all be clogged because uh, I've lost my soil structure, okay? Uh, that's uh, um, why sodium is uh, so important in salinity, not as much for sodium toxicity in turf grass, but actually for the effects that can have on soil, okay? So um, the thing is when we check for EC and SAR, we need to know uh, for a different level of SAR what's the C uh, that I can tolerate. For instance, I can have moderate SAR. So let's say moderate SAR is um, between zero and three. Let's say I have uh, two SAR. 
but if I have low EC, that tells me that my water mostly has sodium in it. So I am adding a lot of sodium to the soil, and that may lead to soil deflocculation. Okay, so in case of high SAR, I rather have high EC because that tells me that sodium may not be uh, such a hazard. Um, to check uh, uh, the interaction between uh, sodium uh, uh, between SAR and EC, um, I have sent you a paper. Um, by FAO, the Food Agricultural Organization, uh, by Ayers and Westcott uh, in 1984. It's called uh, Irrigation Water Quality Criteria, and that basically tells you uh, your level of EC, where you might have uh, restriction uh, of use uh, if SAR exceeds a certain, a certain point. So it relates the, val the EC value to the SAR, and then yes. you're a better able to interpret whether or not you, you, you could uh, encounter an issue with your soil. Yes, exactly. Um, for instance, uh, USDA actually, um, they uh, categorize uh, um, water for not only um, salinity, um, how's it called? Uh, not only for salinity hazard, but also for sodium hazard. So um, salinity hazard uh, is called uh, conductivity, uh, and uh, it goes from one to four category, being uh, one uh, uh, no saline water that you can use on any crop, and four being uh, really saline water that uh, you can not use, uh, uh, possibly don't use on any crop. And then you have uh, uh, sodium hazard that also goes uh, from one to four. So if you read uh, a USDA uh, category, then you can have, uh, uh, let's say, they tell you your water is uh, C1S1. That means you have uh, um, low problems for salinity and sodium. You can use that uh, at any given time. Mm -hmm. But for instance, if they tell you you have uh, water that's uh, C1S3, that means that you have low salinity but really high sodium hazard. Okay? Yes. And yes. Um, so SAR and EC uh, need to be read together. Need to be read together. And, and yes. that, you raise an interesting point because often we think of poor water quality impacting the plant, you know, as a standalone entity, but we really need to consider the effects on both the plant itself and the soil. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, salinity is actually, um, it's never a set point in time. Salinity changes a lot and it changes uh, with uh, a lot of different factors. Okay, uh, first one, of course, is uh, my water quality. But then it also depends on your soil structure. So, for instance, uh, soil that drains more uh, uh, usually have less problem of salinity uh, in comparison uh, to, to hard soil, to hard clay soil. Uh, but it also depends on my um, evapotranspiration rates, for instance, because uh, the general rule is uh, the drier the soil is, the higher your salinity becomes. Okay. So basically, the more water that's in the soil, uh, the less uh, salinity I have. And that leads me uh, to another really important point, which is uh, 
how often uh, you have to water. Not only how often you need to water to irrigate, but also you need to irrigate uh, as uniform as possible in order to have uh, uh, water distributed evenly through the soil profile so that all my salts can be leached mm -hmm, evenly. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, so, yes, usually uh, what I suggest is uh, uh, try to maintain uh, your irrigation system as uniform as possible, maintain it a lot, maintain your sprinkler system, and try to irrigate um, infrequently and deep in order to push salt below the root zone. But always uh, try to keep your soil moist uh, so that salts are in solution uh, and not attached to soil colloids. And uh, yes, on top of uh, that, that's why basically uh, arid and semi-arid zones such as the southwest have usually higher problems of uh, salinity in comparison to uh, humid zones uh, such as uh, the south. Mm -hmm. the south. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we got a lot, a lot to think about there, and I, I appreciate that that extra set of correlation because I think sometimes. Uh, you know, we look at these things independently from one another and we, we need to consider them in, in combination with each other and also think about not just the plant, but the potential impact on the soil itself. Absolutely, absolutely. So with regards to, to turf species, yeah. uh, you, what, what are your thoughts on and, and how, do you, how do you characterize and, and rank? I understand your favorite turf species is Bermuda grass. Is that accurate absolutely. to say? Yeah, that's absolutely. I, I've been working with Bermuda grass uh, all my academic career, uh, even when I was in Italy, although, although it's not really um, adapted to, to northern Italian climates. But, uh, yes, I, I always suggest uh, around here to use Bermuda grass for various reasons, one of which is actually salt tolerance. Salt tolerance, is, is, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a good point. And, and so our listener base will have, we'll have uh, guys in the, you know, turf managers in the northeast. We have cool season grass listeners, yeah. warm season grass yeah. of, of, all, of all different types. And, and so, you know, just as a, as a general ranking if you will of of most salt tolerant to least salt tolerant any yeah. perspective on that sure absolutely that there's uh, um there's a lot to talk about uh as well uh so generally speaking let me tell you this um generally speaking um warm season grasses uh, are more salt tolerant than cool season grasses uh so uh bermuda grass uh, San Augustine grass are really uh, salt tolerant. The most, the best salt tolerant plant turf grass species you can have is uh, seashore paspalum. Um, there are uh, um, studies that show that seashore paspalum can almost uh, be water with with ocean water, wow. with sea water. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, uh, the only comparable uh, um, cool season species to these uh, three warm season species would be alkali grass, but it's not really um, good for, for golf. 
um, may be better for uh, homeowners. Uh, um, it's actually kind of coarse. Uh, it, it's not an aesthetically appealing grass. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the only um, cool season that can be compared to uh, warm season. Now, when I talk to tolerant species, uh, uh, that means that uh, they can grow when my EC in the soil is higher than 10 decimeters per meter. Okay, so really, really saline condition. Okay. Um, then uh, moderately tolerant species, uh, which means from uh, 6 to 10 decimeters, are uh, zoysia grass, again, as a warm season. And for a cool season, uh, I would rank uh, tall fescue and perennial ryegrass. Okay. Tall fescue and perennial ryegrass, other than alkali grass, uh, um, are probably the uh, cool season species uh, that are um, uh, the most salt tolerant. Um, when we decrease, when we go to sensitive plants, then uh, we're talking about uh, rye grasses, uh, bank grasses, uh, and fine leaf fescues. Um, those, uh, those species can tolerate uh, um, EC in the soil higher than three, but lower than six, okay? And uh, uh, actually, uh, buffalo grass, um, it's uh, probably the only warm season turf grass that doesn't really tolerate salinity as much. Interesting. So, yes, yes. So I would rank buffalo grass together uh, with rye grasses. Now, now, with regards to the, the individual turf species and their tolerance to salinity, does, does mowing height or those types of additional stresses move the thresholds at all with regards to the salt tolerance of an individual species? For example, uh, Bermuda grass, it sounds like it's, it's fairly, you know, salt tolerant. Now, mm -hmm. does that salt tolerance change in the presence of other stresses? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, excuse me, uh, be before I answer this question, I forgot uh, uh, to list uh, the most sensitive grasses, which are the, um, all the blue, uh, the blue grasses, basically. So annual bluegrass, uh, uh, Kentucky bluegrass, rough bluegrass, those are the most sensitive uh, uh, species uh, um, to, to salinity. Excellent. But, okay. Uh, but yes, okay. Uh, will other stress uh, enhance the salinity symptom? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, here in the Southwest, for instance, the number one hint answer for uh, salinity symptoms would be the heat. Okay. So uh, basically, uh, that's what I'm saying. You try to grow grasses in their comfort zones. Okay. So in the southern part of the United States, try to grow warm season grasses that are most adapted uh, to the environment. Uh, in transition zone, if you have salinity, maybe you want to go warm season. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, then up north, uh, up north, uh, you, you go cool season. But yes, for instance, additional stresses such as drought, heat, uh, or uh, uh, for instance, uh, um, uh, lack of fertilization, all these uh, um, stresses can enhance salinity symptoms. 
Um, that's why it's uh, really important uh, to try to have uh, uh, to keep a plan as healthy as possible when you when you are uh, watering it with uh, with saline water. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Anything else you want to add to that? Um, let me see. No. Um, I would add. Uh, uh, the, should we talk about leaching fraction uh, or management practices now, or uh, we can wait? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely. I want to ask you. Um, so we talked about salt tolerant to least tolerant plants. Now, what about what about soils? Which which soils are are the easiest to work with under these conditions or express the, the, the salinity inputs the least on the plant and are less susceptible to, to degrading conditions? Yeah. Um, well, um, the best, uh, um, the best uh, soil you can have uh, when you're irrigating with uh, saline water are definitely sandy soil or coarser soil. Um, the basically the soils that drains a lot, okay. So water can move downwards, uh, and therefore uh, salts can be leached through the root zone profile. Uh, then when we start having uh, um, medium coarse uh, soil, then we start having more problems, and then uh, really high problems. We are gonna have them uh, with uh, uh, with clay soils. With really fine texture soils, clay soils, as I told you, um, sodium uh, has uh, uh, is a big threat for those kind of soils, and can actually lead um, uh, too much sodium can lead uh, to soil def- uh, particle defloculation uh, and uh, uh, collapse of soil structure, which means uh, uh, the soil will not the water will not be able to penetrate in the soil anymore. Okay. And therefore, uh, all the water is gonna sit there, and uh, um, the more uh, the more salt you add, the more salt you add, the more saline uh, the condition, the more severe the condition will become. The more severe, and and so I think you mentioned you 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 were gonna interject there regarding the leaching fractions, and so we're talking about soils, and how do, how do those things uh, work together, and what is the strategy there? Yes. So uh, the simplest management strategy for uh, uh, managing salinity is actually adding a, le- a leaching fraction. So general rule uh, when we're talking uh, uh, about salinity here is uh, if the amount of water applied to the soil, so this means uh, irrigation plus natural precipitation, exceeds evapotranspiration rates, then salt moves downward. Okay. Uh, which means uh, I am pushing the salt uh, off my root zone, which means the plant can uh, um, can uh, can survive uh, and uh, can grow normally. Uh, the problem is in arid and semi-arid zone, uh, we have to irrigate a lot mm-hmm. in order to push the salt downward. Okay. Um, adding um, irrigation volumes uh, to my normal uh, evapotranspiration replacement uh, in order to manage salt uh, that's called uh, leaching. Okay, leaching is uh, uh, species uh, specific, uh, which means uh, it depends on how good uh, uh, one species uh, 
means for warm season turf grasses, uh, I already irrigate less, but also I have to leach less frequently and with lower amounts, okay? Because uh, warm season turf grasses uh, usually tolerate higher EC in the soil. While with cool season turf grasses, uh, then you have to leach uh, more frequently or with higher amounts uh, in order to push more soil, more salt away from the soil. Usually, uh, leaching fraction can uh, go from uh, adding uh, 5% more for Bermuda grasses uh, or uh, for St. Augustine grass uh, to probably 20% uh, uh, higher um, water volume uh, for, for cool season turf grasses. So, so this is potentially applying 20% more water than yes. the plant needs for its evapotranspiration necessities. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. For cool season because, turf. Yeah, for cool season turf. Because uh, what happens uh, is uh, uh, the drier the soil, uh, the higher the salinity. That's, that's the rule. Um, if uh, evapotranspiration rates uh, are really high, uh, especially down here in the southwest, water evaporates uh, with, uh, um, higher, uh, with higher frequency and therefore uh, uh, salinity uh, uh, salts uh, uh, accumulate faster in the soil profile. Excellent. Okay, okay. That's, that's a good rule of thumb to, to know and, and, and a good uh, logic to, to consider is adding irrigation water beyond just that beyond what the plant needs for its physiological purposes, because we need to continue to move that salt deeper into the soil and out of the system, it sounds like. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. Now, we talked a lot of, we, we talked a little bit about some of the different values and numbers, and you, you did a great job touching upon some of those things. And um, as an agronomist here at Harold's, I'm often presented with uh, different soil tests or paste extracts and different water analysis. And, you know, it, so in your mind, how, how is a turf manager supposed to, to juggle and utilize those, those different reports that many of us have access to? Which are the most important to you? And uh, how do you sort through those, those different uh, testing parameters? Yes, so as I said, uh, first one uh, would be checking your EC in the water, uh, just to let, uh, just to know how much uh, um, how much salts are present in your soil, and therefore how much uh, uh, the plant is actually working uh, uh, to pick up to so, pick up the water from the soil. So, so this would be step one: is getting an irrigation water analysis. Is that what yes. you, you would recommend? Yes. Okay. Yes. Step one is uh, knowing, uh, knowing uh, how much uh, um, salts are present in your water. Yeah. Uh, step two would be uh, know your irrigation frequency. So uh, know how much water you're actually applying uh, to the soil. Okay? Uh, for instance, in um, zones where you have high precipitation, or at least in zone when you have higher precipitation exactly when the grass is growing, when the grass is actively growing, then uh, maybe you are luckier because uh, you are actually l you are leaching out uh, 
through precipitation the soils, the soil, the salts that you're building in the soil. Okay. Uh, the problem uh, becomes usually in arid, in, in arid soil because, as I said, uh, the drier the soil, the higher the salinity. So basically, you have to know uh, your irrigation frequency scheduling and uh, uh, usually your uh, either monsoon season or your precipitation season. If your monsoon season uh, um, is uh, um, uh, happens is happening during uh, uh, the plant growth, uh, then uh, managing salinity will be much easier. Here in California, for instance, uh, uh, all my precipitation are focused in the winter time, uh, but since I'm growing mostly warm season, uh, I am irrigating uh, uh, mostly from uh, April to October. Mm -hmm. And from April to October, I do not have uh, uh, precipitation occurring, uh, therefore I know that I am building salinity in my soil yeah okay yeah um we would have the well, exact opposite here in florida in which we get the most precipitation during the growing season and exactly. the least when there is the less potential growth so that's interesting exactly so that, that, that it was the same thing for me in new mexico uh new mexico precipitation was mostly concentrated during the summertime so i could have seen salinity building up when i was watering, but then uh, when precipitation occurred, uh, I was stopping my irrigation, and I could see salt being leached, being leached from the soil profile. Now, w w with regards to the, to the irrigation water analysis, a couple of, of parameters or variables that we haven't touched on are the pH and the bicarbonates, and can, mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about those and what the, sure. those are all per, uh, included in with, I guess, water quality, if, if you will. Yes, absolutely. Um, so pH for turf grass uh, is usually not really a problem. Um, turf grass would like, uh, uh, the, the, the optimum pH for turf grass irrigation would be from uh, five and a half to seven, okay? So from slightly, slightly acidic to neutral. Uh, majority of uh, turf grass irrigation uh, uh, happens with uh, water, uh, water pH that goes uh, from uh, 6.4 to, to eight and a half. Um, that is absolutely not a problem with turf grass as long uh, as uh, you're within those uh, ranges. Um, sometimes, sometimes, uh, uh, especially in irrigation ponds, it can happen that um, high bicarbonate concentration leads to water alkalinity, leads to uh, basically having uh, uh, water that's really hard, uh, uh, which means uh, water pH is around 9 or something like that. Um, to correct that, what you have to do is just a simple acidification or your water with sulfuric acid, usually it's good enough. Yep. Yeah. And what, what um, should what what pH should one consider targeting with a with a sulfuric acid or safe acid injection? What would be your target? You you. Um, In order to eliminate I, all the bicarbonates yeah. and and. As, look, when you are within range uh, between uh, six and a half and uh, eight and uh, eight and a half, then you're safe there. Okay. okay. So you want to go below eight and a half. 
yes. pH below eight and a, eight and a half, and you are absolutely safe there. Even if it's more than seven, uh, then uh, then turfgrass can tolerate that. Excellent. Okay, and then we and then bicarbonates. How do what what role do they potentially play in this uh, water quality uh, environment? Yes. So okay. Um, Bicarbonate, not only bicarbonate, also to a lesser degree carbonate content, uh, um, deserve a careful evaluation. Um, so recycled water and well waters are especially likely to contain uh, excessive bicarbonate levels. And for uh, excessive uh, uh, bicarbonate levels, I'm saying uh, usually more than one, uh, one and a half uh, uh, milligram per liter. Um, so the problem itself with bicarbonates uh, is uh, that during a hot and dry period, uh, you can see uh, the deposit appearing on on leaf plants. Um, not only that, uh, and also high level of bicarbonates are really linked uh, with uh, um, with soil pH. So. The higher the bicarbonate, the higher the soil pH uh, becomes. Um, acidification is actually the the solution uh, for uh, for bicarbonates uh, or for uh, uh, increasing soil pH. Now there is a bigger problem with bicarbonate, which is uh, often uh, um, underestimated, and uh, which is that the bicarbonate ion could combine uh, with calcium and magnesium and therefore make uh, calcium and magnesium precipitate and these uh, increase my SAR level. And with increasing SAR level, uh, then uh, I am uh, running uh, the risk, uh, of, again, of uh, uh, soil defloculation. So meaning the higher um, the bicarbonate level, Again, the more risk I have uh, to um, uh, to see my soil structure uh, collapse. Now, that's uh, interesting that you talk about the combination of the, the the high pH water and the high bicarbonate because in Florida and in some of our other regions, when we are when we become more dependent on irrigation during the dry season, we are often irrigating. With a, with water sources that have high pH above eight and high bicarbonate, and what we observe in many of these areas is not necessarily a problem with deflocculation of the soil because often the soil is sandy. But your other point, in which you you would talk about these precipitates that are high pH, and what we often see is a turf that becomes chlorotic due to micronutrient deficiency yeah. and. And so that that's uh, interesting. You brought that up. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's uh, as as you see, uh, salinity is definitely um, is not something set. Uh, it's uh, it's a moving um, uh, it's a moving phenomenon that occurs, uh, and you have to take care. Uh, you have to take in consideration a lot of different factors. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Um, uh, and it's all it's all linked more or less together. Uh, bicarbonates uh, and sodium concentration uh, are often uh, uh, part of the same problem. It's not 
one different thing. So sometimes we will conduct soil testing or paste extract, if you will. And what we'll observe in those reports is, is high, pH con high pH conditions and uh, often we may consider trying to treat the soil to alleviate some of the yeah. negative impacts of poor water quality, but it sounds like that would be just addressing the symptoms and what we really need to consider if we have the resources is to address the source. Yes, you can, you can actually address both. Uh, when you cure the soil, uh, um, it's usually because it's cheaper, probably. Yep. Um, uh, gypsum is uh, usually the, 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 the cheapest uh, thing you can do to correct for salinity in, in your soil. Uh, but yes, it would be actually even better um, to use, uh, to, to acidificate uh, your water, to, to acidificate your source. So, in, so when we're acidifying the water, again, we're talking about impacting the, so, the pH of the water, yes. the bicarbonate component of the water. Yes. Uh, however, the acidification process, does that have any effect on the sodium content of the water? Um, not really on the sodium content, but it can on the it can on the soil. Okay. Uh, because uh, um, let's see, what happens is uh, um, at least out here uh, in the southwest, uh, um, a lot of soil are calcareous in nature, and uh, when you acidify your water you actually break down uh, the precipitate, the calcium uh, carbonate precipitate, so you have uh, more uh, calcium available to the plant and therefore uh, less uh, sodium toxicity. So if you are applying, if you're applying irrigation water and that irrigation water is, is breaking up the calcium deposits in the soil, does that calcium then become available to, to displace sodium in the soil so it's almost yes, it's almost course. like you're making your own gypsum in your in your soil in in some respect yes exactly interesting okay and so uh paste extracts uh what what role do paste extracts have in terms of management decisions do you use those do you recommend those what's your yeah, philosophy there absolutely as i said um salinity is always uh, uh, changing in the soil, depending on how much water I'm applying and how much precipitation I'm having. Uh, the less precipitation, the more water I'm applying, the more salt I, I, I am giving to the, uh, to the soil. Uh, therefore, I always recommend uh, at least a couple of soil sampling per year. I usually do it uh, before I start saline irrigation uh, and uh, after I stop saline irrigation. Uh, as I said, for instance, in my case, uh, when, uh, when I'm using uh, uh, wort season third grasses, I know that I'm starting my irrigation system uh, around April um, when, uh, when uh, the species are coming out of dormancy. Um, and then I sample my soil also at the end of the growing season to check how good my soil is doing. Uh, then when I stop irrigation here during the winter time, luckily I have precipitation 
and uh, precipitation actually leach salts through my soil profile. Um, and that's why I do I do soil sampling in the spring to make sure that my soil uh, went back to the to the original level. Um, I would also, depending on uh, depending on money availability, depending on funding, uh, uh, I would also um, recommend one soil sampling in the middle, especially on really dry, hot here, mm -hmm. when salts are really accumulating uh, in the soil profile. Uh, I would recommend uh, one soil sampling in the middle to check uh, uh, if my salinity th threshold uh, are being respected uh, um, or if my salinity threshold are being, uh, 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 if my salinity level are higher than my salinity threshold for growing uh, turf in the soil. And uh, if they do, then, uh, then in that case, uh, I will start with leaching. Um, I will start with heavy leaching. Excellent. Okay, so in the presence of this poor water quality, just to potentially summarize some of the different management approaches we could take. So we have potentially high pH, high bicarbonate water, high uh, sodium, sodium water. Um, this is translating into EC values, uh, TDS values uh, um, in the water and in the soil. Uh, what are the different, you mentioned a couple of them, um, but if you were to summarize two or three things, two, three or four things uh, a turf manager could do to, to minimize stress on the plant and negative impacts in the soil, you know, what would be at the top of your list? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Number one, uh, easiest one, uh, is uh, um, leaching, adding leaching fraction, okay? That is absolute. Or um, you can do that with your own saline water. It would be best uh, if you could blend uh, uh, your saline water with some, uh, uh, with some source of uh, potable water when you leach, okay? Uh, try to make it less saline uh, and uh, um, increase uh, your uh, uh, volume, your irrigation volume, in order to leach the soil, uh, the salts from the root zone. Um, second thing uh, is uh, um, either acidification or gypsum, uh, depending depending on uh, your uh, water pH uh, or uh, if your water is uh, high in uh, in uh, SAR. Um, third thing, and it's a management practice that I see more and more important uh, the more I work with salinity, is actually uh, keep, uh, try to keep a uh, uh, healthy plant by adding uh, um, not only uh, macronutrients, so not only um, nitrogen, uh, uh, phosphorus, and potassium, but also uh, try to give it micronutrients, uh, so iron, uh, manganese, uh, uh, all these kind of micronutrients uh, that actually help increase uh, plant health um, and plant quality, and uh, also uh, biostimulants. So these uh, two things, uh, biostimulants and micronutrients, uh, are really crucial to have uh, healthier plants under soil condition. Healthier, healthier plants always respond better to environmental, to biotic or abiotic stress 
than plants that are not healthy. That's as simple as that. Um, those would be my uh, top three recommendations. So if you can, address the water, blend the water, acidify the water, uh, apply the proper amounts of, of or the, the desired amounts of irrigation to promote leaching and flushing. Uh, yep. uh, treat the soil with uh, with things yep. like like gypsum, or perhaps yep. would you also recommend things that, um, in some cases, help acidify the soil and break yeah, up bicarbonate precipitates. And absolutely. so, so have an impact on the soil. And then I really liked what you said there. Uh, let's make the plants as healthy as viable. Plant, you know, plant health is is very important when the plant is under stress. Yes, yes, exactly. So those are the three main components. When uh, you're going turf grass, it's, you always have these three components, which are environmental components. So it's the grass, it's the water, and it's the soil. Uh, they are not independent from each other. They always interact within each other. So you can act at all these different levels. If you forget one, then maybe your other uh, salinity management strategy may not be as effective. Well, I tell you what, I, well, that's a that's a lot of excellent information that you just provided right there, and I I think we we summed it up there right at the end. And uh, Dr. Marco, I want to thank you for for joining us, um, providing all this great information. You're a tremendous resource for all of us in this turf industry and you mentioned uh, some documents and I, we talked a lot about a lot of different values uh, that are associated with uh, water quality analysis and things like that. I'm going to make all those available to, to all of our listeners and that may, may haven't had a chance to, to write and write all of that down. And uh, I, I got to tell you this, this topic more and more is becoming uh, a factor in our industry. And we're lucky to have a guy like you out there studying and helping uh, bring all these different uh, variables to our attention and management practices to our attention. I really want to thank you for your time on this. Well, I, I really want to thank you to give me the opportunity to do this. Uh, and uh, of course, I mean, uh, Knowledge is good only when it's uh, spread. If only a few people uh, have it, then the uh, community doesn't benefit from it. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Uh, are you going to be uh, involved in uh, any GIS or anything like that that yes. we should be looking for? Um, next year at um, GIS, uh, I'm uh, going to do. Uh, I'm going to teach a seminar with Gene Bird, my colleague here at UCR. Um, that's going to be about uh, top management practices uh, for uh, for uh, diminish uh, uh, water consumption, and then also uh, together with Matteo Serena, my colleague from New Mexico State, we're going to have a uh, um, short session uh, about salinity itself. So absolutely, um, if you see the session, which I believe uh, is uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, yeah, you can sign up and Matteo and I will try to um, say everything we can in the limited time we e have. Excellent. Well, that's important for all of our users. Uh, you, you can have the Dr. Marco right there available for you. And again, that's at the GIS? 
Yes, that's a GIS in San Diego next year. GIS San Diego, mark it on your calendar to all of our listeners. Uh, if you liked a little bit of what you heard here, you can you can get get them in person and 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 ask questions the perhaps specifically related to your own situation. And so with that, uh, Dr. Marco, again, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode of, I'm going to call it a special episode of Harold's Turf Dudes podcast, because that information was uh, real valuable to our listeners. And we look forward to uh, having all of our listeners uh, in on the next episode of Harold's Turf Dudes. And uh, with that, this is Raymond Snyder saying so long and thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes. Dr. Schiavon can be reached on Twitter at UCR Saving Turf or by email at marcos at ucr.edu. Visit this episode webpage at www.turfdudes.com for additional resources provided by Dr. Schiavon. Send Dr. Schneider and the Harold's Turf Dudes team your questions or comments or to be featured on an upcoming episode, reach out to us at Turf Dudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. Send us your questions to at TurfDudes on Twitter or by email to TurfDudes at Heralds.com. TurfDudes is spelled T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S.